Hello, welcome to another edition of Robinson Ralph's Unloved um, podcast, Having a Natter. Uh, I'm Simon Robinson. With me, as always, uh, are David, call me Dave Silito. Hello, I'm not Simon Robinson. And Samuel, call me Sam Higgins. Hello, I'm neither David Silito or Simon Robinson. Great news for everyone listening there. So uh, we're going to be just, we're, we're recording this on, what day is this, Wednesday? In Wednesday, Sunday. it's hot. Yeah. None of us want to be here, even yeah. though we've got complete freedom about where we can be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So none of us want to do it, even though we've complete freedom about whether we do it or not, but we're doing it because I, I actually don't know why we're doing it. Because no The delight and delectation of our dedicated listeners. Yeah. I mean, hopefully, hopefully there are some employers out there listening to this going. What I like about it is those guys, they they still they still work hard during the heat and they instruct us. Um, anyway, uh, on that note, by the way, uh, I posted on LinkedIn today uh, an article I wrote about um, how manage how you manage in the heat wave. I mean, it's really really basic, simple. Oh, there's nothing revolutionary in there. It's things like don't wear a thick coat or sit in a greenhouse. But um, but anyway, it's there. So you know, read it. Don't read it. I don't care. I can't lose it. It was it was wonderful. The current heat wave. I'm not in a greenhouse. Yeah. I'm not in a suit. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I've got, and you've, I've got got a glass of water by me. And have you? Um. I mean, one of the one of the most more controversial points that I wanted to put in, but which the publishers insisted I remove, was an all over body shave, uh, and they said that was um inappropriate. And ridiculous. So, um, yeah. yeah, I sent that's I sent the photos of what it would look like. <laughs> that's what caused the problem. Yeah. Well, I yeah. did read an article about another article about um, coping in the heat wave, and it did say remove your clothes if you're working from home. Remove some clothing. Yeah. Um, however, it did say make sure you have a shirt or a jumper nearby for any unexpected deliveries or Zoom calls that you might have to uh, have to get on. So, you know, that is valuable advice there. If you are working um, from a nudist colony, yeah, um, make sure you've got a, a jumper nearby. Sam, how long ago did you put that jumper on? It's not a jumper. It's a T-shirt. Yeah. Listen, I've had this on all day, so I'm, I'm, okay. I'm doing just fine. But um, I'm keeping an eye on the clock. So if I do need to remove anything, um, I'd better pick out replacement clothes, as you say. There won't be complaints from people walking past the window of Robinson Ralph Towers that there's a there's a naked Sam. <laughs> there's a naked ginger man roaming the being. Been out of that unusual. People walking past. So. Um. So what are we discussing this week? Hill v Lloyd's Bank. Um. So who wants to talk about it? I want. I know is not the right word, but who's going to talk about it? I can. I can talk about it. Um, I can if you like. I can chip in if you like as well. Yeah, you chip in then. Um, and I'll, I'll, at various points, I'll pretend that I've read the case. So it's an EAT judgment. Employment um, Appeal Tribunal. Yep. Thanks for clarifying. Yeah. Um, so they were the, the um, parties were appealing. In fact, they were both appealing um, from the original Employment Tribunal ET judgment um, and subsequent reconsideration. Very briefly, the facts of the case are that the um, claimant um, was off for um, uh, almost a year with stress. She says that was caused by bullying and harassment at work. Um, she raised a grievance um, and subsequently appealed against the outcome of that grievance. And the grievance 
um, and their appeal were, were not upheld. Um, well, I don't know the, the full detail of that, but, but I think that's quite an important point that um, it wasn't found that she was bullied at work. Um, she, however, was anxious that in the future she might have to work with um, two of her managers. Uh, she said that the prospect of working with them filled her with absolute dread and fear, such that she feels physically sick. Now, that's a feeling that Samuel Higgins will not be able to empathise with at all. <laughs> I no, wonder that was going um, on. <laughs> because it's pure joy coming to work at Robinson Ralph every day. Yep. Um, no arguments. And, but, but, but this Mrs Hill, um, unlike Sam Higgins, said that the prospect of, of working um, with those managers left her in a constant state of fear um, that left her absolutely uh, exhausted. So um, she uh, requested a, an undertaking from the company that at no point in the future would she ha have to work under the management of either um, Miss M or Mr B. Um, so <clears throat> she didn't have to, because of changes within the business, and, uh, in fact, by the time of the tribunal hearing, one of those managers was due to be leaving under redundancy scheme. Um, she wasn't um, on a day-to-day -day basis having to um, work with them. And I think that's an important point because I've seen on a number of occasions in the past, uh, employees have said, well, um, I've made, raised a grievance. I don't want to go back to work um, for this manager um, because they bullied and harassed me and it's caused me stress. Um, and uh, the employer has um, usually and justifiably said, well, um, the grievance was not upheld, so we can't make arrangements based on um, conduct that you allege happened, we find hasn't happened. Um, and in those circumstances, you are going to have to go back and work with that particular manager. And, and often you know, the employee will have real, real difficulties with that. And so I think um, what this case isn't saying is that an employer faced with that situation is going to have to give way to the employee's issue, um, requests. Each case will obviously turn on its facts, but this, this absolutely does not lay down any hard and fast rule that an employee in that situation is entitled um, to uh, determine their reporting lines. Um, case went to uh, employment tribunal. Um, claimant was successful um, and the employment tribunal um, made a recommendation um, as they can on the, a successful discrimination claim that the employer give an undertaking uh, that they would ensure that the claimant didn't work or interact with those managers um, and if that was not possible uh, and if suitable alternative employment was not available um, then the respondent would use its best endeavours to ensure that the claimant could leave the respondent with a severance package equivalent to a redundancy payment applicable at the time of her departure. So the employer appealed against that and said that the um, tribunal was not entitled to make a recommendation that an undertaking be given. Um, the employee appealed against, um, sorry, they, they asked for reconsideration. The employment tribunal then accepted their request for reconsideration and set aside um, the recommendation. Um, so the employee appealed against that uh, and the employer appealed against the terms of the original um, undertaking. And the Employment Appeal Tribunal upheld the appeal in part because they said, well, Employment Tribunal is perfectly entitled to make a re recommendation um, that uh, the employer give an undertaking. But this particular undertaking was in terms that were too vague 
um, referred to best endeavours, um, required um, action on the part of the claimant to explore and consider suitable alternative employment. Um, so in this particular case, the um, tribunal was entitled to give an undertaking, but they remitted it back to the same tribunal um, in order that a more appropriate undertaking um, could be recommended by the tribunal. You know, again, it's, it's a case that very much turns on its facts. Um, and if you are getting to the stage of the Employment Appeal Tribunal, um, then uh, it's very hard to demonstrate that the Employment Tribunal made an error of law um, or made a finding that was a fact that was so perverse. So, um, you know, this is more about what the original tribunal was entitled to do and that it was entitled to do that rather than laying down any hard and fast rules to what an employer should do in this particular situation. Um, but, uh, but, but if an employer is faced with a failure to make reasonable adjustments, disability discrimination claim, um, I suppose the lesson is that uh, an employment tribunal's power to make recommendations is very wide um, and it could involve requiring the employer to do something that binds it going on into the future rather than just a one action that has an immediate impact. Well just on that point and, and may I say that was a lovely that was a lovely passage of Thank audio you. to listen to if I do say so myself. Um, I mean you mentioned that obviously you know issues like this will turn on their own facts obviously but um, you know all the commentary and all the all the things I've read about this particular um, case just in preparing for this absolute shambles you know the, the, do you not think that there might be um, a potential cascade of circumstances and individuals who might try and refer to this case to try and if you like pin their employers against the wall and say, like, you know, if I have to deal with X or Y or Z, we're going to have problems. Can you just see it being like a bit of a, a bit of a snowball effect? Well, I think employees are likely to refer to this case as giving support um, to that. But I, I don't think it makes any hard and fast um, rule, as I say. But, mm. uh, you know, it is a common it is a common request. And, yeah, maybe this will be the start of uh, of a line of cases that, that do go into that a little bit more but um i mean i hope not but i think you know if you're an employee an employer a small employer and you haven't got scope to relocate an, an employee then it's all about what is reasonable what adjustments are reasonable um and here um, a huge organization like lloyd's um it clearly was possible for the, this employee to work without being uh, well, having to come into contact, direct contact with, with those two particular managers. It was a lovely case, a beautiful yeah. case. <laughs> Just thought it was so beautiful. It, it was, was really that, beautiful the way the EAT made their judgment. So are, you nice. Donald, are you doing a Donald Trump impression now? Yeah. Yeah, that was great. Thanks both for the updates. Is there anything else we can say on that case? No. I think we've, we've covered it perfectly. Um, so you're... Uh, Family free at the moment. Yeah, they've been filling your time. Yeah, I'm sure the listeners would like to know. So we've got the builders in um, at the moment. So uh, so that so we've got that in the background. And then um, when I'm working from home, I then I walk down to Costa or something and have a an iced coffee, and then walk back and try to get ten thousand steps a day. And then last night I did an Exorcist prequel double bill. Um, Another prequel. I can click. Well, there was two. So what happened? I'm glad you've asked that, Sam. So 
there was a film made by Paul Schrader, um, and it was meant to be the, the the prequel to The Exorcist. But the studio didn't like it, so they, they fired him when it was nearly completed. You got Rennie Harlan, who's a diehard too, been in it. Um, and he kind of did it. It's really w- weird to watch. It's largely the same cast doing things slightly differently. And then there's other characters missing and some characters. And anyway, so he, he really kind of shot a lot of it again, released it. It didn't do very well. So then they got, gave Paul Schrader some money to finish his version. The first one, the, the Rennie Harlem one was released as Exorcist at the beginning and the Paul Schrader one, Dominion prequel to the Exorcist. Anyway, so I watched them last night and um, Exorcist, I preferred the Rennie Harlem one. It was more similar to the original Exorcist. And um, Did you have that presentation on the two films pre-prepared? No. Why did you enjoy that? Sounded like you did, yeah. Sounded like you were some sort of film critic. Yeah, it sounded like you. you that sounded like the perfect slot for the occasion when uh, when the radio have uh, review of the week. It's like half an hour where three people just you know moan and whinge about the, yeah. the TV and the cinema. Well, the best bit is I put on. I, I didn't mention on Twitter that I was going to watch them. Watch them and then put on. I preferred the Rennie Harlan one and tagged him in, and he liked it. The director's oh, awesome. hard too, like my tweet. Brilliant. Well, so, I, I watched Sonic the Hedgehog last night. Or it's more not a accurately. bad film, is it? Uh, well, more accurately, I watched um, about two thirds of it before deciding not to waste the final half hour of my life, the final half hour of, my, of the film. Um, <laughs> I really liked it. Uh, yeah, I wasn't a fan. Maybe I just wasn't in the mood. Anyway, the long and the short of it is the director of Die Hard 2 liked one of my tweets. So, yeah, that is the takeaway point from this. That is, that that it, is, it is possible to reach people. And then <laughs> I've been brewing some beer, which I need to check later. Um, check whether it still tastes absolutely disgusting. I can um, do that for you. Send it, send it over. I'd be more than happy to do that. Yeah. Why don't you just buy it from the shop? Well, yeah, my, my brother got me it as a Christmas present. Because he, wa- he I, wants the air of he wants the air of panache. You know, like when people come, when people are allowed to come round and drink the beer, it just so he can go. <laughs> no, I, I do that. very much yeah. subscribe to the theory of why bake a cake. That's what you have shops for. Yeah, it's it's classic Silito, like that, wasn't it, Sam? Yeah. It's it's it's, it's Typical, like, I don't know, you know, like, uh, it's a good life kind of <laughs> stuff that he would do, you know? And it's just, it doesn't surprise Brew me. my own beer in the greenhouse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm just off down the allotment as well. Yeah, the allotment. Yeah, and he's probably got loads of stuff made from hemp, you know? <laughs> so ba- bamboo. Bamboo and hemp. So that's whenever. The, that's the fashionable material these days, isn't it? Well, our garage is turning into a room, and Juliet says I can have it as a bar. Um, there won't be any home-brewed stuff in there. It'll all be shop-bought, but it will be bought from a local brewery to support their business. Yeah, exactly. I'm just That's not going to sing and dance about are you it. Gonna pull, are you going to like pull the pump, but then have like a, a can with the other hand, so it looks like you're pulling it fresh, but you're just actually pouring it into a glass? I did wonder about how we're going to do that. I do want two pumps. I want, the, I want a, a larger pump and a bitter pump. Sounds wonderful. Well, guys, thanks so much for contributing to what I suppose everyone listening will think of as one of our stronger podcasts. Um, thanks to both of you for listening, um, our, our two listeners and two official listeners. There may be people who are listening to this on a pirated copy somewhere, I suppose. Or, yeah, probably our enemies listening to see what tips they can steal for their podcast. Yeah, the answer is we, none. You can, none they, yeah, they probably then stop listening very quickly. Yeah. Uh, all the tips. <laughs> Um, and thanks to you two for you know, the usual half-hearted preparation and presentation <laughs> that our listeners have come to expect. And as usual, I did nothing. I just turned up. Right. Well, bye, everyone. Bye. Take care.